Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Hello, I am Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah! The Ayatollah Alcoholic, Ian Wadley. And we just completed a very long episode, so we're doing this intro now about it. So, hey, Ian, come on, don't make me uh, edit too much, so let's just get into it. What do you say? Oh, well, I gotta say who with us? Well, you say that during the intro. Okay, never mind. Did I? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, let's get into this episode with... Brian Davis from Damn Good Movie Memories. Ha <laughs> ha, I said uh, it. I that was my it. line. I God know, right. Damn God damn it. it. But you're drunk. Okay, bye. You'll, you won't remember me doing this until you listen to this episode. Yeah, no, no. I, I, that was over. I'm over. I'm too, I'm too famous now to listen to my own episodes. We're going on too long. Let's get into it. This is Book of Shadows from Zach Wilde with Wee. Brian Davis. Let's go. Okay, let's get into this album from Zach Wilde called Book of Shadows. And yeah, I'm going to say the year. And you know what? I'm going to get it right. Because this fucking album is fucking amazing. It's 1996, motherfucker. Yeah, you're right. That's right, I'm right. This is, the, in my opinion, the greatest album of the 90s. Numero uno. And definitely in my if not top 10 top 5 greatest albums of all time wow uh, yeah because uh, let me tell you something this album is extremely special you know how I always talked about you know the Guns N' Roses girl and this and that with the Guns N' Roses album because she wasn't even a Guns N' Roses fan but I, I have mentioned this in the past but shit I'm gonna have to mention it on this review it's not something I want to talk about really but you know, you know, I, I had a, a serious relationship with a girl that died by a drunk driver yes. in 91. Yes. Well, this album was very much, um, uh, how can you say, how, what's the word I'm looking for? It was, uh, you know, very helpful. Carthetic uh, or carthetic. How the fuck yeah. you say that? Um, uh, oh, oh, my God. Cathartic. Cathartic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really did help me. Um, you know, I mean, I'm still fucked up by it, but it, it really was uh, an album that grabbed me because there's a lot of songs and a lot of subject matter on this album that really connected me and helped me and helped me a lot through uh, through the the bullshit I went through mentally and you know, but you know, I don't I don't mean to be like some idiot I know that makes it all about me me me. You know, when somebody dies. Uh, it's not about me, 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 but you know, I was going through some problems and, uh, and, and, you know, it still affected me, uh, to this day, you know, but this album, I, I don't know how, how I could handle life without this album. This album is so important to me. And, uh, and, you know, uh, even if I didn't go through that, I know I would love this album. You know, I'm a big fan of, um, Harvest from Neil Young and, and you know, I, I like that acoustic-y Neil Young stuff. And this is definitely a, a Neil Young. This shows uh, the influence Neil Young had on Zach Wild. Oh yeah. 
because it's very, you know, it's that type of vibe. Uh, but, you know, I mean, yeah, I know I'm the Murray, but I'll take this over that album any day. This album is just extremely special, extremely uh, well thought out, even though I don't think he thought this shit out, because I think that's as, that's how talented this guy is. You know, and, and, and you know, everybody, yeah, Zach, Zach, uh, uh, Jake, Jake, Jake. No, I'll take Zach over Jake because of this album. This album, Jake is a one-trick pony. I'm sorry, every Jake fan out there. Ah! But, uh, but, yeah, he is. I'm sorry. Uh, Zach can do uh, Zach can do it all. You know, he uh, just, you know, grabs an acoustic and just writes these fucking songs that Jake can never do in his dreams. Ah! And, uh, and it's very... <laughs> And it's very emotional to me. And uh, I absolutely love this. And I got to see him play this. I saw this tour in a restaurant, believe it or not. He actually played a restaurant. It was yeah. a Shaky's Pizza. It was a little tiny restaurant where everybody was sitting down. Yep. Not a, not a lot of people there. He had a little piano on stage. And him and who was the guy, Brian, that was it, touring with him? It was uh, Nick Kennese who eventually okay. ended up in Black Label. But now he's... Had some legal problems, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some ki- some kitty diddly thing, right? Yep, some uh, Holland from uh, Judas Priest issues, yes. And but it was, a, she it was looked- a girl, though. Yes, that's true, yeah, so it's weird. In his defense, she looked 14. Hello? Yes. <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, and one thing that really, I mean, it was such an amazing show, and then afterwards, he came and hang out, and I had a, a Black La- uh, Book of Shadows poster that was there on the wall and uh i i took it him signed but i saw people in front of him getting stuff signed and zach is like passing passing whatever he signs to nick and like one guy's like no it's just you and then zach's like i'm sorry man he's got to sign it yeah and i was like oh that's nice of him you know and then when i went up there you know nick signed my poster obviously and had him sign my uh book of shadow cd my Pride of Glory CD. He was, you know, that was the first time I met Zach, and he was such a nice guy, you know. But, you know, he showed the people, hey, man, you know, I'm sorry, but this guy's got to sign everything. You know, Nick signed my Book of Shadows and and my uh, Pride and Glory, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was an amazing show, and uh, it was the only time I ever got to see him do some of these songs. I did see Zach do an unplugged set where he did, like, uh, throwing it all away and, uh, Rode back home and mm-hmm. sold my soul, but this show he did basically just about everything on this album except for a million miles away, obviously. And uh, I don't think he played. Um, no, I think that's it. I think that's the only song he didn't play on this album. So I got to see him do pretty much all the unplugged stuff on this album. Mm-hmm. And, and believe me, the first time I heard this album, I gotta admit it was like I didn't hate it. But it was very unexpected. I was like, damn, where's the shredding? Where's the electric guitars? This is all acoustic, you know? But I still dug it the first time I heard it. And I listened to it a lot before I saw him live. Yeah. So by the time I saw him live on this, I was already in love with this album. You know, I was like, it really grabbed me. And then to see it, you know, uh, live, especially one song, and we'll get to that song. Uh, I teared up, you know, and, and it, it still tears me up. I listened to this album again uh, last night. And because here's, here's the thing, too, that I haven't really talked about. But since I've seen Zach Sabbath, I've kind of not listened to Zach anymore because of the bad experience I had, even though it had nothing to do with him. 
this stupid helper guy that really got me pissed, man. That I haven't listened to Zach since then. And I don't know how many months it's been. And uh, so I finally put this on uh, last night, and I was like, Jesus, man, what, what an amazing, amazing album. It's like beyond words, man. Some of these songs are just like so, not some, all these songs yeah. are just so fucking good. Yeah. But I absolutely love this album, and I'll get into it uh, after Brian tells us how he discovered it. And yeah, he, yeah. I mean, after listening to Pride and Glory nonstop, you know, like for two years after it came out, you know, all I wanted, like, like Ralph, is is new music from Zach Wilde. And so, 1996 was my senior year in high school, and I worked at a local city library after school. And so, during my breaks, I would log on to their internet because we didn't have internet at home. You know, this was the dark ages, kids. Not everyone had the internet in the 90s, so. At the time, even if you could get on the internet, there was very limited content on the World Wide Web. And so the cool part was Zach was actually an early adopter of the internet and had his own website, which now seems like a no-brainer, but back then it was pretty novel. So I kept reading bits and pieces about what type of vibe Book of Shadows was going to be based on like his online chats and interviews. And basically said it was going to be the mellow parts of pride and glory like sweet jesus and fading away and i remember him specifically mentioned that and that sold me because i love both of those tracks and book of shadows came out a week after i graduated high school and i pretty much listened to it non-stop all summer and really for years to come it, it was my go-to album anytime i was driving with a chick because it was mellow enough for her but still heavy in parts at the same time but unfortunately geffen did nothing to promote this album, mm-hmm. it was like one, yeah, one video, two singles. In my opinion, just like Zach, just like Ralph said, Zach basically created a masterpiece that was just totally left cold because it was cheaper to have him record an album than to just buy him out of his contract. So the background is actually Book of Shadows was a bunch of songs Zach had laying around, like mellow songs from the Osmosis sessions with Ozzy, and so he was also getting into some occult books, you know, like the history of Aleister Crowley. Uh, used, you know, inspiration from reading uh, these readings to, to put them into his lyrics. And there's a great story where Zach told in some interview where basically his wife told him to dump all this shit out of the house because it was freaking her out. And he was joking that she like threw them all out the window. But whatever he read, it worked because ar- arguably this is his finest album start to finish of anything he's done. Uh, Zach plays, uh, is like in Black Label, he plays almost all the instruments. James Lomenzo does play bass on all but one song. Uh, James Lomenzo was in White Lion, Megadeth, Pride and Glory. Uh, and then Joe Vitale plays yes. drums. Yeah, yes. and he you would know he plays with Joe Walsh, uh, Amboy Dukes, Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, the Eagles. I mean, he just does a fabulous job on this album. And like Ralph, I saw this in the fall of 19, this tour in the fall of 96, and he played in San Francisco at the Great American Music Hall. And it's kind of like a sit down diner type place and this old blues guy came out with just the guitar he's in sweatpants and we're like oh this is different and then all of a sudden zach comes out because we didn't know it was just going to be two guitars and a piano or in an organ but that was it and that's all it was and uh i think they played everything except for three songs so they didn't play a million miles away i don't think they play way beyond empty and dead as yesterday at my show but they did throw in pride and glory uh, they played Candle in the Wind. Um, this is before, you know, it kind of had its resurgence after Diana died. Uh, played the intro of The Wizard on harmonica before he went into the first track on this album. Just an amazing show. It, it's still my my favorite performance from him. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't get enough credit about what amazing performer he is. If, he, if anyone ever gets a chance to see him live, it's, it's totally worth it. 
Well, because he's got that stigma, you know. Oh, he thinks he's a biker. He's from New Jersey and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Z uh, Jakey Lee doesn't get enough credit, so I'm going to be more of a Jake fan. I'm sorry. This guy destroys Jake. I know a lot of people disagree with me. Well, fine. <laughs> like, like Ian there. But mm -hmm. he, he can't handle a different opinion. But that's, <laughs> that's to be expected. It's to, be, to be expected. But let's see, let's see fucking Jake sit down and write songs like this and sing, period. You know, and th this guy is just phenomenal. And to me, this is his peak. You know. Uh, oh, I Zach, agree. This is like Zach Wilde's masterpiece. I don't think he's ever done anything even close to this. But again, this is one of my favorite albums of all time. And hands down, the greatest album to come out in the 90s. Yeah. So thank you. Go ahead, Ian. Uh, all right. Um, well, I got to say, I did not listen to this album in its entirety until this morning. I, I've heard I've heard bits and pieces, uh, but I listened to it multiple times today. Um, Zach was kind of a weird thing for me, man, when he came in, because I came into Ozzy during the the jake years so you know jake is my guy as, as much as i love you know joe holmes um you know uh jake was my guy i you know i, I love randy of course but i i was a jakey lee guy so when this guy came in like fuck fuck i don't want you i want jakey lee and the wah, god wah, wah. the goddamn uh I mean, he's a Zach is a phenomenal guitar player. I would say, honestly, even though he's not my favorite Ozzy guitar player, I would think overall, I don't, I'd almost give him the nod as the greatest guitar player. Because uh, I, I do believe Zach can do anything. Zach can do fucking anything. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to call Jake a one-trick pony, but I would say that Zach is more multifaceted if you will and and again everybody you know I, everybody loves to suck the dick of saint randy I, I love randy Rhodes, but it's hard to judge because i know i don't like the quiet riot shit i love the ozzy shit but his career was cut off too soon to see what could have came what you know what what would have been you know basically i got two albums that i enjoy to judge from that are incredible you know they're, they're classic but you know it, it's hard to put up against you know, people have had a longer career. Now, of course, Zach has, you know, far less output than Zach has, you know, because you basically have the two Aussies, you know, and then you got the Badlands, and, and then that's about it. But I love that shit. But the one thing that always kind of got on my nerves was that goddamn pinch harmonic uh, that I, I feel is just ruined it for me. It's like he, he can write these awesome riffs. He can do amazing acoustic, but he just overkills that so bad. Not uh, on here. No, no, right. no, no, not on here at all. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. But I'm, I'm saying overall in his career, it's like, God damn, if he just did that a little bit less and made it something more special, like, oh, I'm going to pull it out here instead of doing it 50,000 times during each song, I think it would be more effective. But for me, uh, for me, the reason I say Zach is better than Jake, it's all on this album. I, I don't care about his pitch harmonics later on in Black Label. I admit it's not as good as this. Uh, there was some pitch harmonics on uh, on the Ozzy and Pride and Glory, but on Black Label it's overkill. I'll agree. Right. I love Black Label. I do love Black. Some albums I, I don't like, like the one with the nuns. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every, everybody. I think everybody agrees that's the worst album. <laughs> uh, but uh, Mafia is uh, very underrated in, in Order of the Black. Order of the Black. Yeah. 
that's my uh, that, those two are very underrated. Or, or the or the black, see, personally my favorite album that he's ever done is Blessed Hell Ride. Uh, I, I that's think that's the most popular one. Yeah. I well, I think it's the most. I, I, I like it, it's diverse. You know, there's some great uh, ballads and there's some great rockers. My main thing with the Black Label shit, especially the later era, is way, way too many fucking ballads. I I, I think breaks it up, and I, I think Blessed Hell Ride in 1919 is a great one too. It but is. Sh- but I sh- do have a problem with the drum machine, but it, it is good. Uh, you know, and I also like Stronger Than Death, but uh, Stronger Than Death is awesome. But yeah. yeah, I agree with you, man. Blessed Hell Ride to me is the best one. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it is popular, but I, I just think as an album, the flow of it and the you know the light and the shade, the mixing it up, I, I think it's very cohesive. Um, but I remember like Pride and Glory came out. And I, I never bought it at the time. I, I loved Losing Your Mind as a single, but for whatever reason, I didn't buy it. Uh, and when this came out, you know, you know, uh, Brian already brought up it was uh, he was on Geffen at the time. And I always wondered because Pride and Glory was on Geffen too. And yeah. I, I'm wondering that whole thing with Guns N' Roses, you know, did that get him onto Geffen or did he get the audition with Guns N' Roses because they signed him for Pride and Glory? I don't know how that worked out. Or what it was, but yeah, Geffen did jack shit to promote this. Yeah, and when you're talking '96, and a guitar hero that you know, basically from the '80s, or would be considered like an '80s relic, you know, uh, you know, everything's like fucking alternative and shit. And he comes out with this. Uh, yeah, they didn't do jack shit to promote it. You didn't see it on MTV. And around this time, I'm either listening to Pantera or I'm going back to 70s. Mm-hmm. So it really just wasn't in my wheelhouse at the time. But my best friend was a huge Zach Wild because that was his Ozzy guitar player because he was he was four years younger. So he came on with Zach where I came on with Jake. Um, you know, and, and he got it. And actually, I don't even think he bought it until after he got... Uh, Sonic Brute and loved that so much he went back and got this and he always raved about it but for whatever reason I didn't check it out and I remember the first time I heard Sonic Brew a couple songs caught me but not overall I didn't go out and buy it I wish I would because he's got the original cover and I don't yeah Johnny Walker <laughs> yeah Johnny Walker um, got it too Yep. But yeah, he was talking about this book of shadows and then there was a friend of my old lady's who like she was into fish and shit like that, you know, and Pearl Jam. That was her shit. And she kept raving about this album, which made me not want to check it out, because I'm like, man, I don't listen to anything this bitch listens to, and she's saying it's great. I'm like, ugh, there's something wrong with it, you know? But my buddy kept saying it was good, and I heard him play it a couple times, uh, you know, be in the car, but I would hear, uh, you know, songs here and there. And then I really got full on board with uh, Black Label with Blessed Hell Ride, you know, and then I went back and, and, you know, would go forward, but for whatever reason, I never went back to this album. But I always heard a lot of praise, but it's one of those, you know, I just put in the file, like, yeah, I I need to check that out. I I need to get to it. And for whatever reason, I just never, never got to it until today. I mean, even though there's multiple songs I heard, today was the first time I listened to it from beginning to end, and I did it three times. And, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I got, got a lot to say about it. And I think it's a good pick. I'll, I'll tell you that much. You know, a good album to review. So cool. there you go. All right. All right, Brian, take uh, track one. Yeah, uh, Between Heaven and Hell. Uh, this track, I think, would have fit perfectly on Pride and Glory. Uh, for those that, and, and it's been brought up by Ralph, and, and Zach's voice, if you only know his voice from Black Label Society, it doesn't really, you know, people don't realize what a terrifically soulful voice he had, especially in, on this album. And I really miss this version of his voice because it always sounded like a terrific blend of Greg Allman or Warren Haynes and kind of mixed with his, with his own voice. And every now and then it'll come back with some more mellow black label but and or on book of shadows too but it really it, it, this is his peak uh, vocally uh, i love the harmonica touches and then the acoustic and layered electric solo it's just a great song that actually could have been a country crossover hit uh it sort of sounds and and you guys mentioned it a melding of like neil young and the eagles uh definitely neil young is a huge influence on zach and you'll hear many nods to him throughout this album uh, the harmonica definitely, that, that's the Neil vibe, uh, without a doubt. I must say that the sound and production of this album is just terrific. You can hear all the instruments perfectly and equally, so whoever mixed it did a, a wonderful job. And uh, this is just a great way to start the album, and Zach jokes that uh, the song's about, you know, you're going to a liquor store at 1.59 a.m., and... Uh, you know, the, the guy may or may not sell you something, so you're between heaven and hell. So that's that's Zach's take on, on what this song's about. So, Ralph. Yeah, um, wow. What a, a, what an, an amazing uh, song to open the album to. It'll give you the, you know, the vibe right away. What's it about? You know, what, what you're getting in for. Um, a little more upbeat, uh, and uh, it's beautifully structured. I love his vocals. I love his vocal delivery. I love the harmonies to the verses, like you know, uh, live, dying to live, living to die. Yeah. No, yeah, nothing but goodbye. I mean, another thing too that why this connected to me so much is that we haven't mentioned Leonard Skinner, but. There's a lot of, you know, if you listen to songs like Coming Home, Roll Gypsy yeah. Road, uh, uh, you know, like uh, Ballad of Curtis Lowe, you know, the more mellow uh, Skinner, Tuesday's Gone, um, this has that influence. I hear a lot of Skinner-type influence, too. Mm -hmm. And this song, this song, yeah, you, you can hear a lot of Neil Young in it because of the harmonica and stuff, but the, his voice on this, I mean... Look, man, I love uh, Book of Shadows 2. The only complaint I have of Book of Shadows 2, his voice is not as strong as it is here because no. this is his peak. And vocally, this is his peak. Yeah. You know, he's got this very good, uh, I don't know, like vibrato to his voice. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's uh, just a very infectious yet very original type singing. Yes, he's doing the Southern Rock Greg Allman thing, but like, as you said, you hear his you hear originality in there too. Mm -hmm. And this song with the harmonica and the killer little solo in the middle, it's just beautiful. It's a beautifully well-structured song. And I can understand how they released this as a single where I didn't see it fucking anywhere. No. But I love it. Absolutely love Between Heaven and Hell. Great fucking song. Ian? Oh, yeah. Uh, great one, man. Yeah, definitely can hear old Zach's been listening to Uncle Neil. And, uh, you know, let me get this out of the way. Uh, 
before he dies. Because <laughs> I, I don't even see Ralph like, oh, nobody liked this a cocksucker until he died. Neil Young's definitely my top five of all time. Sorry, Bill Wayne. Uh, Kiss isn't, but Neil Young is. <laughs> uh, oh, then, then you're not a fan of Kiss. <laughs> well, I'm definitely a fan of Neil Young. And yeah, you can, you can see this through and through. Even like the choice to pick uh, Joe Vitale to play drums yeah, uh, was perfect and shows you uh, he knew who to grab for this. Uh, he knew what vibe he was going for, you know, and what that guy's done with Joe Walsh, with the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, uh, the Eagles and stuff. Uh, a great pick. And uh, even though I'd probably say this is probably some of the heaviest drumming, even though it is acoustic, it's probably some of the heaviest drumming I've heard from Joe. I've got many albums he plays on, and, and he's really, he, he plays rock solid on it. He's always plays solid, but it's a little bit heavier on this. But, uh, yeah, you can tell what Bybee was going for, and, yeah, this is the best, by far, vocal performance uh, from him. Who's always had that kind of bargain basement, you know, Greg Allman meets, you know, I even hear a little bit of fucking, was Danny Joe Brown, the dude from uh, Molly Hatchet? Mm. You know, kind of thing going on, uh, and it works for this. I, I think it works better on this album than any other album. You know, that kind of, you know, you can tell he's pushing his voice that way. He's got a natural voice, but you know, he pushes that southern thing. But it seems more natural here than on any other album. Where sometimes it seems a little bit forced. Uh, a great fucking song, and this one was released as a single but not a video. And I think, man, if this would have been the video versus the other one, uh, it could have, I, I don't know. You, uh, again, looking back at 96 uh, was, was a very weird time. But at the same time, if this song would have been released by fucking Cheryl Crow, oh, yeah. it, it would have been fucking huge. Yep. And, you know, I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking about the 90s. And at the time, I was really like, ugh, fuck the 90s, you know, because I was a child of the 80s, you know, so I was like, fuck the 90s. But as I look back now with, with clearer eyes, there was a lot of diversity in the 90s uh, of what was acceptable, I think, even more than the 80s. I still love the 80s more, but in the 90s, you had all kinds of different shit because, you know, you had the emergence of, of rap and, and, and alternative but you also had weird artists that could still, you know, you could still be middle age almost in, in recording years and have a hit in the 90s where you can't yeah. do that nowadays. Nowadays, like if you're over 25 and you haven't made it, you will never make it now. <laughs> you know, but back then you had different artists like a Sheryl Crow and stuff like that who were in their 30s and, mm -hmm. and, and doing stuff like that. But of course, he has that stigma of being an 80s metal guy. Even though there's nothing hair metal about Zach Wilde, he gets lumped in with that. It's guilt of association. Uh, so it was never given a chance by radio. It was never given a chance uh, by MTV. But we're talking about songwriting here. And this is very much a, a 70s-esque, uh, you know, songwriting-wise. This is a singer-songwriter album. That would have been huge in the 70s, given proper promotion. But, you know, with no promotion in the 90s, and with it being called Zach Wild, you know, nobody gives it a chance, but you put somebody like fucking... Oh, if this was a Jewel album or... Tim oh, yeah, Osborne, yeah. Sing, yeah. Singing these same exact songs with the same musical arrangement and the yep. same lyrics, mm -hmm. you know, that then it would be like, oh, it, it, it's... 
how alternative, how original, how back to roots. But if your name's right. Zach Wild and you play guitar for Ozzy Osbourne, they don't want to fucking know you. Nope. And it, it, it's a damn shame because this, I mean, what really impresses me here is the songwriting and, and not, you know, not just the lyrics, but I mean, the vocals, the arrangements, uh, really good. This is a great track and a great way to start off the album to let you know what you're in store for. This isn't an Ozzy fucking album. This yeah. isn't Pride and Glory. This is, you know, him showing, you know, a, a different side, and, you know, uh, showing his influences. But First yeah, down. definitely heavy, heavy Neil on this. I love it. All right, uh, then we go into the next song, Soul My Soul. Now, this one, I don't know. I, I think this one's, I, I, there's other tracks I would have picked as number two to keep it going. Uh, this isn't a bad song, but definitely not my favorite. But I do love the solo on this. You know, you get to hear like, oh, oh, he got an electric guitar with him too. Uh, I really like the solo. And again, uh, this is a song that I wasn't familiar with before. So I've heard this like three times. Not a bad song by any means, but I don't think it's on the same level as Between Heaven and Hell. And I would have picked a stronger song as number two just to like, you know, keep that, you know, uh, enthusiasm and that standard going. But uh, again, not horrible, but I might have replaced this with some of the bonus tracks. Spoiler alert. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, I like to talk about those. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. We 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 studied them. We all studied them. So uh, yeah, yeah, a solid one, but not my favorite. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, I I, I think it's perfect. I think it's a perfect second track on here because it goes right into darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the upbeat, and then it goes right into something that's a complete 360, and uh, it's very dark. And I guess this is one of the songs that you can say was very influenced by the occult. Uh, you know, you can tell even by the the title. I mean, you know, most people, oh, I'm going to sell my soul to be a ro- big rock star. You know, he wants to sell his soul just to be back with his woman. And I just love, love, love the lyrics. I love, I I really love, you see, this is a very, this is a headphones album. Yes. Ever there was one, because the part where he goes, just sign right here, son. Like one on the left side, it goes just sun right here, and you hear it bleed into the right side of the speaker. Yeah, sun. blends. Oh my God, that part is so magical. Yep. It's like, oh my God, I love you, Alistair Crowley. You know, <laughs> it's it's so dark, and yes, as Ian said, that solo. It's like, hey, hey remember me? You know, during that part. But this song is perfect. I think it's a perfect uh, following track on side two. One of the best songs, and one of the one of the songs that he did play live when I saw him do the Zach Wild acoustic set in Fort Lauderdale, well, I mean three years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he only three songs from uh, this album made it to that set list, and I was very happy that Soul My Soul was one of them, mm-hmm. and you know he played it on piano where he had some guy there, it wasn't Nick Cantese, it was somebody else that was playing uh, acoustic and uh, electric with him. Uh, amazing, amazing song. Absolutely love Soul My Soul. One of my favorites on here. What do you think, Brian? This is actually my favorite song on the album and my favorite song that Zach has ever done in wow. any of the bands. Yes. I, I don't blame you. Even though, I'll tell you this, my favorite song on this album is hands down 
what you what what you feel about Soul My Soul. Well, I'll tell you though, there's a very very close second with regards to my all-time favorite song, Zach song, and it's on this album as well. So uh, I fluctuate sometimes, but when I first heard this, when I first heard the intro notes, I was like, oh, I I love the tone of the acoustic guitar when it starts, and uh, I adore Soul My Soul. I the it's totally haunting. There, the, there's layering of, of his background vocals. It's a great eerie opening. And then the drums come crashing in. And that's where Ian mentioned that Vitaly's drumming is heavier than anything else he's ever done. There's subtle like orchestral touches, like reminiscent to what he did with Pride and Glory. And this is the opening song during the Book of Shadows tour. I mean, it got everyone in that like dark vibe. Uh, during the show. Uh, this is the song that I think could get folks not into the, into traditional hard rock, interested in hard rock, because the song kind of weaves between mellow and pretty heavy. And you guys mentioned it, the guitar solo. It's just unmatched here. There, there's a guitar lesson on YouTube where he just singles out the two solos on, on this track, and it's definitely worth checking out. You can, you can hear it just clean. Um, I adore Black Label Society, but sometimes Black Label, his solos, get, they sound a bit phoned in, and, and, but never on this album. Never. And I never get tired of this track at all. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Ralph. Uh, well, why don't you take the next one, Road okay, Back okay. Home. Cool. Um, I love the gospel-style organ intro. Um, that kind of leads into Zach's piano intro and then involves into like a really cool slide guitar riff. Uh, there's your your Skinnerd influence, and uh, this is why Zach's so awesome. He's an immense talent. He plays all of these instruments, and he does it brilliantly. And, and definitely, his voice is in full Greg Allman mode. I think on this one, um, as with most songs on this album, it's it's a mixture of light and heavy. I love it. You may get acoustic guitars or piano, but there's always some heaviness mixed in, uh, you know, with some Zach riffage. And he plays an awesome but very short guitar solo in the middle. However, if you're really into like if you're a guitar solo junkie, you don't worry because there's a ripping solo at the end. Just a really, really well-crafted song. And you guys, Ian mentioned it. This guy doesn't get mentioned enough with his songwriting ability, you know, especially his mu music-wise. The guy is brilliant when it comes to crafting a song. You know, you look at the early stuff he did with Ozzy, and, and this was coming from a guy that was in his early 20s. I mean, he was writing the music. I mean, he was like Brandy Rhodes in many ways. Uh, so yeah, Road Back Home is, is just a terrific follow-up to Soul My Soul. Ralph? Uh, well, <laughs> ah, boy. All right. Uh, this song is so boring it should be on an Oz album. Uh, this one, oh man, I, I, I don't know. There's just something... I, I, on an album that's full of stuff that, that I totally feel, this one I don't feel. Uh, it just seems stock I, I'm not I'm not saying it's like horrible but I just feel like I don't know I just don't I feel least attached to this song it just seems like oh I'm gonna write that song it's kind of got that fucking mom I'm coming home fucking uh, road to nowhere fucking vibe and that's where it goes with me nowhere but get I, I respect the plane I mean I mean it's not bad plane but it just I don't know, every time I listen to this one, and, and granted, the, you know, this is my first time listening to this. My opinion might change. Uh, uh, I definitely think Soul My Soul is better than this one. Uh, yeah, I'd have to say this is my least favorite track. Again, great playing, but it just seems forced. It doesn't seem as uh, 
natural as a lot of this other album does to me. Uh, not again, not out, you know, not, not like so tired bad, but borderline. Not not that, not a big fan of this. Yeah, so tired had Jake. Yeah, yeah. Well, he fucked up there too. Uh, oh man, I I, I uh, definitely the, the, the exact opposite of what Ian said. Very thought out, very beautifully constructed. I love the, his delivery, the way you know, the opening line. I look around and times ain't changed. Same old faces, same old names, and that and the you know in that little bridge. All this time, you never ever sympathize. It's, it, it's again, it, this is very Skinnerish to me, too, in, in many ways, like a coming home type thing. And yeah. uh, oh man, it's just beautifully constructed. And, and, and I get chills when I hear that chorus, you know, tell me where am I now, why, where, and how. Show me that. And this is one of the cathartic songs I was talking about earlier. This is one, it, it really did help me, you know, because it, it, it was, it, it's a song. I mean, everybody interprets songs differently but this one is kind of like uh jesus i miss her you know and uh and it really like show me the way back home you know it's like um it, it it's very it's a one of probably one probably the not my favorite on here but probably the most important song on here along with another one that's not my favorite but i mean i mean come on i mean i already said it, there ain't a bad song to be found on here everyone every song on here it's a perfect album title because it's like every song on here is kind of like a page, you know. It's a different story and and uh, and different vibe and, and different subject matter. And this one, I really get that, you know, um, uh, the 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 feeling of of emptiness and how how I was feeling at the time, you know. And um, and even though I mean, there, there's parts of the song that have nothing to do with uh what i was going through but it still didn't matter because uh shit like the the chorus you know it, it really did hit me you know the whole show me the road back home was kind of like you know show me how to become how i was before and it was very important and, and this is one that i am man enough to say made me cry and he did play this live on uh the show I saw like three years ago, yeah. you know, and I was like, oh, my God, he's doing Road Back Home. This is this, and and uh, I was with this girl. Um, well, I don't want to mention her name, uh, but uh, yeah, she saw me cry. <laughs> I cried. I cried when he did this uh, at, at the culture room. I just started bawling, man. I was like, but but it wasn't like I was crying. Like, you know, I was like crying because I was happy to see him play this again, you know, because the second time I saw him play it. But it's just so special. This song is extremely special to me. Uh, so then we go into uh, Way Beyond Empty. Now, before I get into this song, I'll never forget. See, back in the day when Headbangers Ball was was canceled, uh, I my Miami Beach was the only market that had Latin MTV because it was it was uh, filmed in Miami Beach. No, nobody else had. Uh, Spanish MTV and one night I'm really drunk and this video came on for way beyond empty and right when it started I was like oh my god he made a video for between heaven and hell that's how drunk <laughs> I was I was I was that drunk and um, this was very early when the album came out I mean I remember seeing this before I saw him live and 
you know, and then by the time it got into the courts, I was like, wait, wait a second. This ain't Rogue uh, uh, Between Heaven and Hell. This is my favorite song off the album. Mm. It still to this day is my favorite song Zach Wilde has ever written. It's the lyrical content, the, the voice on it that he doesn't have anymore. This is why when he performs Book of Shadow stuff, he never throws this one out anymore. Because yeah. I don't I don't think he can sing this. You know, the, the, the chorus, the power in his voice and the the simplistic uh, lyrics, you know, about, you know, if I could, I surely would, child ease your pain. And, you know, if, uh, there's a, a very important line on here. Now I'm having a brain fart. That's just so fucking moving, you know, to me that, it, well, you know, I, all I can say, it's my favorite song on the album. And when I think of those lyrics, I'm going to cut you guys off and, and tell you what it is. So, uh, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, so this was the only video that was actually made for the album, uh, which is really interesting because I, I think the first three songs would have been better choices for videos just i think they would be they would have made for an interesting storyline i think um i it's a really good stripped down song i love how the the very soft acoustic intro uh zach's voice sounds great you hear that kind of the rasp in his voice but, but also clean uh this song would have fit perfectly on pride and glory and i know why it's your favorite because i think it has kind of a crimea river feel to it mm -hmm. um the percussion is interesting because you kind of almost hear like a nutcracker type of sound mixed before the chorus kicks in. Uh, the breakdown is kind of a losing your mind feel before it kicks into like a clean acoustic solo, which is a really unique for this album because most of the solos on, on this album, even though the music is acoustic, the solos are electric. Uh, but I really love the acoustic, acoustic solo on this one and it kind of changes up the feel and gives the album some, some diversity uh, without feeling forced. A really, really good song. Ian. All right, well, I'm going to give a weird review on this one because I think this is not my favorite on the album, but I think it may be the best song on the album. Hmm. Uh, I think this is a perfectly, perfectly written song. I'm glad you like it, you son of a bitch. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, not my favorite, but I I think this may be some of the best songwriting he's ever done. And this is a prime example. Uh, almost reminds me of, of like a Dylan song. You, you know, Dylan had so many songs that he wrote uh, that his version did nothing, you know, and then people covered it and it was a huge hit. And I think if if uh, another artist did this song, like somebody maybe hey, that... Hey, 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 I just saw the lyrics. Okay. 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 Go ahead. If I could see the shoulder, hey man, come on, hey, don't burp during. I'm sorry to burp. If I couldn't be the shoulder which your head would rest upon, would you still be waiting, Mama, or would you be gone? That's gorgeous. Continue. Okay. Beautiful lyric too, by the way. But like I said, it reminds me of Dylan because it's just something. I appreciate it. I love it because I love Zach's voice. I, I love his playing. But there's just something that, that transcends with this song. Uh, that makes it, uh, you know, it is, it's like a perfect song. But I, I think if somebody else did this, uh, this would be a, a masterpiece. But there's so many songs on this album. When I hear them, you know, you know what pisses me off about classic rock radio 
because they just won't accept anything new. Like, basically, Classic Rock Radio is a bunch of KISS fans. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they just won't open their fucking minds. Because if you played this on Classic Rock Radio, I, I guarantee you there'd be people calling up, who is this? Where can I get this? What is this? This is fantastic songwriting. This is this is amazing. Uh, but it, it's just unfortunate that this was done by Zach Wilde in 96, so it fell on deaf ears. Um, but uh, great. Perfect song. Like I said, not my favorite, but I think if, if you go all around, like songwriting-wise, structure-wise, music, lyrics, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lost classic. I, I mean, really... I, and it's weird that it's not my favorite, but I I, I, I do think it's a perfect song. So that, that's uh, the best I can say there. All right. Well, I'll take the next song, which is Throwing It All Away. And this song was written about Shannon Hoon, uh, the lead singer from Blind Melon, who I'm surprised. I had no idea that he lived with Zach for a while. I, yeah. I, I found this online that they lived together. And Shannon Hoon died two blocks from my house. Wow. And in fact, I know a guy who was questioned in his death because Shannon Hoon had got a, in a fight with him earlier in the day <laughs> for, because Shannon was hitting on my buddy's wife. Mm. And uh, and they questioned him when they found him, but of course it was a drug overdose. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, but it just seems like a weird combination, Zach Wilde and Shannon Hoon. But, uh, you know. Well, Blind but, Melon toured with Ozzy. Uh, during No More Tears. Oh, okay. So that's, that, that's, that's how they met. That might, okay. Well, that makes sense then. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Blind Melon was one of those bands, like, you know, when they first came out, I, everybody I know was sick of that goddamn No Rain song. Like, oh my God, the fucking B Girl and all this shit. And I, I wrote them all, you know, I never bought the album because of that. And I, now I don't mind the song, but at the time I couldn't fucking stand it. And then I had a buddy who, uh, who bought the. I, the soup album and i did like the first single galaxy and then i saw it in a used record store and i was like ah what the fuck i'll take a chance on it fell in love with soup i think soup is a fucking amazing album and then i went back you know and listened to the first album there's some great shit on there uh but uh as far as the song i i i think it's so so it's all right. I think it's nice that he wrote a song for a friend who passed away. I appreciate the sentiment that you have this talent, you have a newborn child, but you know you just can't give up the drugs, and uh, you know. So I get it. But as far as songs go, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things like uh, in this river that's dedicated to dime. You know, and I I remember you know I mean that was such a huge huge uh you know death for me you know to like my generation the people i hung out with that was like john lennon dying when when dimebag died so i was like oh my god this is gonna be the greatest song ever fucking zach wilde and they, and i'm not a fan of in this river <laughs> and i've seen it played live and i'm you know you see the dime videos i'm still like eh, i don't really like the song yeah, but you know he didn't really write that about dying. No, it was written before. Right, right, and then 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 he changed and dedicated. You know, it, the same thing with like fucking uh, what's that? In my time of dying, or not in my time of dying? Uh, what's what's the Megadeth one? That's supposed. Oh, in my darkest hour. Yeah, in my darkest hour. Yeah, yeah, it's really not about Cliff, you know. But uh, 
but yeah, this, this song, I'm kind of like, eh, I would almost, I would say this would be my second least favorite, uh, just a notch above Road Back Home. Again, not a bad song, and you know, hey, it's a great way to pay tribute to a friend, I appreciate that, uh, but uh, yeah, it just doesn't do it for me. What do you think, Brian? Yes, <laughs> kind of like uh, how I felt about Soul My Soul. This is the song that's a, a very, very close second to my all-time favorite Zach songs. Oh, and boy. Yeah, uh, you mentioned about Blind Melon. He, he, Shannon Hoon also played, uh, he had he sang backup vocals on the Illusion album for Guns N' Roses. So right. Like Don't Cry, he's in the video too. Um, yeah, I even have a live bootleg where Zach changes the lyrics to, to say like, now Shannon, you, you just left me with nothing to say. Uh, I found I, I've always found this song very moving, and it's just sad that he couldn't beat his demons. You know, much like Blaine Staley, who yeah. is, is Zach's friend too. But yeah, but thrown away. I think it's it's an absolutely beautiful song. It's very haunting. It's well crafted. You know, similar in vibe to Soul My Soul. Love the wah wah sounding rhythm guitar effects. I, I think they're perfectly used. The, there's the build up to the song, which I think is terrific. Another fabulous electric guitar solo, which sounds amazing over the backing piano track. And Zach's voice is in fine form. And I, I think this would have been an amazing single in a video, uh, what he could have done with it. Uh, I can't speak more highly of this track. And it, it was included along with Soul My Soul on the Unblackened live album from Black Label Society. So he still obviously thinks pretty highly of it. Uh, Ralph? Yes, uh, I agree with you completely. And again, another one of those songs that you know, at the time back then, I didn't know it was about Shannon Hoon. I found that out later. But um, it was what I was going through. Like, especially, I mean, it really hit me hard. Like, you know, well, I can see your smile. Can you see my tears? I, I reached to hold you, but you ain't there. You left the hole so big, Lord, beyond repair. I try to find forgiveness. I'm talking what we'll never share. Great lines. Great lines. Jesus, man. It was like, it really hit me. You know, it's like, here's another song off the album that was cathartic i mean you know you can hear you know he's talking about tears and stuff it's like when i'm listening to this i'm not actually sad it, you know it really is true that you know music is very healing and you know without me crying i just to hear him say these words it's like wow dude you're 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 speaking what i'm feeling perfectly and not knowing this is a song about i didn't even know this is a song about uh somebody dying when i was when it hit me so hard, but it, it really reflected, you know, especially the, you know, the best line in the whole damn song is that you left the big, you left the hole so big yeah. beyond repair, which is true. I mean, when you go through something like I went through, you'll never get over it, you know? There, there comes a, a time of acceptance, which, you know, it still doesn't mean you're over it. You just have to accept reality. Right. And this song was like, bam, man, it was like, Oh, thank you, Zach. Thank you so much. And, you know, this is why when I hear, hear stuff like this, I'm like, this guy is a fucking genius, an underrated genius, exactly like Jimi Hendrix. You know, when you talk about Zach Wilde, oh, he's a shredder. Jimi Hendrix, oh, he's a guitar guy. But both these guys had well-structured songs and very meaningful lyrics. Jimi Hendrix wrote some amazing, amazing lyrics. Ooh, Little, Little Wing. Wing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. You know, and, you know, acts as bold as love. But, and here, this is a great example of it. You know, this guy is a genius. You know, and not only, you know, a guitar hero, but he's, he's amazing on the keyboards and harmonica and piano. And 
he can do it all, you know, and 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 sing on top of it. That's why I prefer him over a one-trick pony. <laughs> but yeah, oh my god, uh, I absolutely <laughs> oh my god, love love uh, love this this song. All right, let me take the next one. And again, the next one is very important to me, and it has nothing to do with you know all the shit I was going through emotionally, but still. There was something I was going through in 1996 that reflects this song perfectly. Um, and I'm going to try to make this long story very short. Uh, there's a girl that I knew in high school, and she was very overweight. I knew she had a crush on me back then, but I was not interested. And by 1996, she lost a lot of weight. This is a girl that, you know, she was friends with my good friends. So I knew her and we and, and she'd always go to concerts. So I'd always see her through the years during concerts. So by around 94, 95, you know, she dropped all this weight and she was, you know, very beautiful. I mean, wow, beautiful, you know? And I was like, ooh, she did have a crush on me back then, you know? So I went for it, you know? Now, when I went for it, she was... Uh, she just broke up with some guy that was abusive. So she was like, you know, fucked up over it. I was fucked up over what happened to me. And uh, we hooked up. And But I wasn't ready for a relationship. She was. And this song really reflects what I feel about this girl. Was like, I really wanted her to be happy and find what she's looking for. And, uh, and it worked out. She found what she... But all right, to, to put a little comedy spin on this, I, I saw her about, I was seeing her for about, I don't know, maybe three months tops. It didn't last that long because I, out of respect, I said, look, I can't, I'm not ready for a relationship. And, you know, I'm going to back off so you can find what you're looking for, right? So she ended up seeing a guy that I knew that was in a, a band, a bass player guy. I'm friends with both of them still, even that guy. And... When they were done dating, they they broke they broke up because she caught him watching internet porn. <laughs> what what a way to break up with somebody, right? So when they broke up, I I went you know I was hanging out with the guy one night and he was bitching about her and I said let me ask you a question because he knew I was seeing her for a little bit. I go dude, did she ever give you head? And she he said no and he saw her for about a year. I said oh okay because she never gave me head, and I found that very disturbing, you know. <laughs> And she's a girl that doesn't give a head. Well, anyway, she got married about 10 years ago. She's still with the guy, happily married. So, hey, look, she found what she was looking for. And again, it's a beautifully structured song. It's more uh, happy, you know, than what we've heard before. It, even though, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's a very caring song about somebody that's very cool. And and this song really does reflect. And it was, a, it was in 1996. Like late 96, this album was already out when I started seeing this girl. So every time I would hear this song, even during seeing her, it gave me enough courage to say, listen, you know, um, I'm going to back off and I hope you find what you're looking for. So again, an extremely important song for me from this album. So that's what I think. What do you think, Ian? Uh, one of my favorite songs on the album. I fucking love very Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young with the vocals. Uh, I love it, man, and and you know it, it was getting at this point in the album where I was like, oh man, you know, I, you know, I love the first track, you know, I appreciate four, 
you know, but am I, you know, is this going to be a loss to me? And then I heard this, this song and it just pulled me right back in. Uh, perfect track, probably tied with my favorite track on the album. I really, really fucking dig this one. Great one. I would recommend this to anybody who hasn't heard the album and you're interested, you know, go on YouTube, check this song out. Uh, if you don't like this, then chances are you ain't gonna like the album, man. I really, really dig this one. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I get I get that um, advice. That makes sense. Um, writ- this was actually written for Janis Joplin, or, or about Janis Joplin, according to Zach. Uh, he introed this on a bootleg I had for him. Um, this is a great summer type of song where you can kick back, drink a beer to. Definitely has a Neil Young meets Eagles vibe. Uh, just a really well-produced song, too. And you can hear all, all sorts of sonic goodies if you listen to this track through headphones, like Ralph had said. Again, I really can't speak more highly of how well-produced and mixed this album is, especially uh, in the 90s, you know, where everything was kind of grungy and, and kind of blended in together. Not this album at all. Uh, Zach always layers his vocals really well, and this track is another great example of it. it. It's just another example where you can introduce your mellow friends into some hard rock, and and then the guitar solo comes ripping in after, you know, it's a relatively mellow track, and uh, I think this would have been another great choice for a single if, if they had some balls to promote it. So uh, how about I take the next one, Dead Is Yesterday. Sure. This is the first song that's like completely stripped down in the sense that there's nothing but an acoustic guitar and vocals. There's some subtle strings mixed in, but there's no guitar solo. So that's kind of a first for Zach. And uh, the use of strings kind of reminds me of, this might seem weird, but the MTV Unplugged version of All Apologies from Nirvana. That's the kind of like that kind of dark uh, use uh, kind of that's what I hear. Um, and then Zach pulls out some pretty impressive high vocals at the end of this song, which I think was pretty cool. And so this might be one you kind of forget about, but I think it's pretty awesome. Um, what do you think, uh, Ralph? Oh, no, no way I can forget this one. Jesus. Uh, this may be the most cathartic song on the album for me. Um, you know, the lyrics really spoke to me at the time. More of an acceptance, you know, it'll leave you with nothing to say, lost without a way. Ain't it funny, child? Love sometimes leaves you as dead as yesterday. And that's what I was, you know, because what I went through, it really did, like, it was kind of like a, uh, you know, shedding skin type of reality for me. It turned me into a different person. But it also reminded me of, you know, what I had and how great it was, you know, hoping to hold a handful of sunshine uh, like a child told it cannot play. Never ever figured Lord love would leave you feeling as dead as yesterday. I never thought I would ever feel that way, how I was feeling at the time. And this one was amazing. And the whole part where he kept saying over and over again, could you help me find some shelter? And I was like, this song is my shelter. You know, this song really did again, like he did before on uh soul, my soul and, uh, you know, throwing all the way and all this stuff. It was like really spoke to my feelings at the time. And that's why this album is like one of my favorite albums of all time because it's more than music. It's more than 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 an album to me. It's it, it goes beyond that. No, my favorite albums are like that. Like, you know, nothing hits me harder, even harder than this album in the Wall by Pink Floyd. Mm. You know, that one is more of a reality. You know, of of uh, life period of you know the the end of life and you know your parents and all that. Where this one is just strictly about my depression and you know i even had a little therapy going on at the time 
and uh, a bad vodka problem. And but this song, it was like, uh, it was so beautiful. Then you know, at the very end, when he says, "Ain't it funny, child?" and, and he does that little laugh, you know, you know. Well, he says, "And there is where you'll stay." And then he laughs, and then he goes, "Ain't it funny, child?" Yeah. Love time signs leave you as dead as yesterday, and then he hits all those high notes. Yeah, he it's, does like it, a, he's like a, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and that really did you know help because like right before he does that, ha ha. You know, you know, it'll leave you feeling hollow and helpless. And then it's where you'll stay. And then he goes, huh, huh. And yeah. that was, I mean, that little line right there was kind of like, you know, fuck that, man. You know, I'm alive. Mm-hmm. And, and it really did help. You know, just that little laugh changed my life. And this song, it's extremely, extremely special. And you can see it perform on YouTube. He did it on a, a TV show somewhere i think in europe or something yeah it's just him on a stool do, doing the song and uh the most cathartic song on the album love it ian um not bad but not great uh but i will say that i, I think this has some of this best singing ever particularly on that outro uh was just fucking amazing uh, really loved his vocals that's what really stood out you know all the times i listened to this and you know, I can see, obviously, Ralph has more of an attachment to this album because of, you know, something that happened in his life. You know, I don't have any uh, serious relationships where, where the woman has passed away, just ones I wish were dead. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, but... You like, you like Hate Your Guts from Pride and Glory. <laughs> but, or, uh, or Hate Your Guts Part 2 coming up on this that's, album. That's <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, but I, I do have a similar situation... Uh, you know, kind of how Ralph has the attachment to this album. Uh, there was an album when I went through my divorce that was very much the way Ralph describes how this album was very uh, God damn it, I can't say the word. Cathartic. Cathartic. Uh, there's an album by Afghan Wigs, Gentlemen, uh, which is very much to me how Ralph describes this album, how it was therapeutic, and and how he can identify and and. Uh, help channel his pain and that's how I am with that album and that is would be like my greatest album of the 90s uh, because of the personal connection because of how uh, I can listen to it over and over and I can feel the pain but yet it also relieves pain at the same time so I totally get what he what he's saying with this you know he has that personal connection that I understand that I don't have with this album, but I can appreciate, you know, the greatness that is on this album. And this is one of those ones, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a shorter song. Uh, again, I, I don't have the same emotional attachment, but I can appreciate how goddamn good those vocals are. And I, I can't stress that enough. And I think we all agree this was definitely the peak of his vocals. Uh, so uh, just for that outro alone, I give the song a thumbs up, uh, even if it's not one of my favorites. I dig it. But I'll go, I'll go to the next one, uh, Too Numb to Cry. Another one, this is the shortest song on the album. Very short and sweet, but I dig it. The song comes in, it does what it has to do, it doesn't overstay its welcome, and uh, it's an enjoyable track, man. I'm, I'm definitely digging side two here, if you will. Uh, I like it. What do you think, Brian? 
Yeah, it's another super stripped down song where Zach's piano playing is the predominant instrument here. Uh, kind of got an Elton John vibe to it, like a dark Elton John vibe. Uh, like how there's some subtle strings mixed in and there's a very, you know, some very sparse guitar licks and, and the organ. I uh, love the vocal inflection in Zach's voice when he's like, and I try, and I try. Like, it's so good. Uh, fits nicely in the middle of the album. Um, it's in, as Ian mentioned, it's the shortest song on the album. This is, uh, yeah, this is one where it might be forgotten, but you, it shouldn't be forgotten. So, uh, Ralph, what do you think? Yeah, I'm glad this song came on after, you know, Dead is Yesterday, because <laughs> if it was before it, I think it would hit me much harder, you know, because, again, you know, it's, you know, it's it's really a song. If you really listen to lyrics, it's kind of like a breakup song. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the line to change in a blink of an eye. If you could, you surely would wave yourself goodbye. I try and I try and I try. Got a hold on your suffering, peace in which you don't wish to buy. You know that that really hits me. You know, it's like fuck. You know, because it did just change in a blink of an eye. And this girl did not pass out, or pass away, right away. I mean, she was hooked up to machines and mm. it was a long, you know, uh, you know, it was a coma and it, it just did not look good. And it was terrible being there with her parents. And it was just a terrible experience. And uh, just listening to the song, it was like, it doesn't make me sad uh, listening to the song, but I think it would if it wasn't for Dead or Yesterday, because that mm. one was kind of like, eh, and then this one kind of like, reminds me of you know the suffering that she went through well i mean i don't think she was suffering because you're in a coma i don't think you suffer in a coma they actually had to uh pull the plug it wasn't something where she just passed away mm. like look she's brain dead ain't gonna you know but um great it's it, it's an amazing song uh and then uh it goes into uh the things you do uh dedicated to the guns and roses girl even though i didn't know her <laughs> at the time I didn't know her at the time, but hey, I've had I've had some experiences with bitches before, you know, the Guns N' Roses girl, but none of them were as bad as the Guns N' Roses girl. And it's, oh my God, does these, these lyrics fit her perfectly, you know? <laughs> the Rolling Stones once sang a tune, yeah, singing yeah. song of symphony. Symphony, you know, but none was sung for you. <laughs> beautifully, beautifully. It's like a fuck you song. Yeah. You know, out of all this like misery and then, you know, you know, how can you do the things you do? You make Satan look like Christ. I swear it's true. <laughs> and uh, it, it really does fit her well. And, and yeah, it is, uh, it is uh, what do you call the, um, the I, I hate your guts part two. Yeah. You know? Yep. The, you know, but it, it, again, it's fun. It's a funny song. It has a fun vibe to it. And uh, I absolutely love it. Again, I mean, but then again, I love everything on this album. But, you know, I mean, I'm not even going to say it's my least favorite because I can't, there isn't a least favorite on this album for me. You know, I can say some that I like more than others, but the ones that I uh, like more than the other ones, the other ones are kind of like tied with greatness with all the other ones. So there's not a least favorite on here for me. And I absolutely love it. What do you think, uh, Ian? Oh, yeah. I love this. Yeah. A great Fuck You Girl song. And I think this was needed on this album. You know, just a little change it up a little bit, even if it's just subject matter. Uh, you know, still musically, it, it falls in line with the rest. But, you know, just a little bit more lighthearted. But we've all had that girl, you know, and I think anybody can relate to it. I know, you know, the one that fucking changed my life, 
yeah, I, I put this right up there. She's my Guns N' Roses chick, <laughs> you know, and I, I totally appreciate, you know, put a smile on my face. Just listen, you know, hearing the lyrics and I'm, I'm laughing, I'm digging the music. And uh, yeah, a welcome addition to this album. I really dig this track. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think this is like the brother of what you're looking for, at least to my ears. Um, another great back, laid-back drinking song, and you guys mentioned it. The lyrics are awesome in the sense that, on the surface, it sounds like kind of a sweet sort of song, but in reality, the lyrics are like really revenge-like, which is awesome. Yeah, and, uh, inside your riddle, rotten core, I hope yeah. you get what you deserve, worse and even, even more. more. But he's saying he's singing, awesome. it, he's singing it so sweetly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, because it's great. It's, it's kind of like him saying, "I don't give a fuck about you." So here, you know. Kind of like, uh, just to let you know, you're not getting to me. And right. this is what I think of you, bitch. Thank yep. you. <laughs> it's, it's, it would be easy to overlook this song, too, but it's really well-crafted. And uh, it's, it was usually the second song performed during the Book of Shadows uh, tour after Sold My Soul opened the show. Uh, also, the guitar solo is very different than most of Zach's solos, too. It's very restrained, uh, but it's really solid and kind of classy and fits the song, I think, perfectly. Uh, just really well done. I, was... I, I forgot to mention the solo in Way Beyond Empty. Mm. It's probably one of his greatest solos. It's acoustic, but it's yeah. not like a show-off solo. It's a very melodic, beautifully constructed. Uh, it doesn't even seem constructed. It seems such like pouring out his heart. That's why that is my favorite song on the album, too. Even the solo on that, the, the way he plays that, you know, the, the acoustic, it's just every fucking note is perfect. Yeah, it's really clean, really clean sound. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, I'll Take a Million Miles Away. Um, this is probably the most out-of-place song on the album. And, and don't get me wrong, this song absolutely smokes and it rules, but it sounds like something that was a precursor to Black Label Society, which would be like three years away. Um, Zach kind of puts like an underwater effect on his voice, which I think sounds different and cool. Um, and, but for obvious reasons, he didn't perform this on the Book of Shadows tour because it just didn't fit the vibe of, of him and, and Nick Kennedy's playing, you know, on the tour with just the acoustic guitars and a piano. However, I'd love to see this song bust out for a Black Label show. I think it would go great with, with all the Black Label songs. Um, I love this song. I think it's really well crafted. I just, again, it's kind of an oddball track because 10 out of the 11 songs have a certain vibe to it. And then this comes in, it's totally different. Um, again, would have fit really well on a Black Label album, especially the guitar solo, because that has Black Label written all over it. Um, Ian? Oh, fuck yeah. I love this song. This is the one tied for my favorite on the album. Uh, and I, it's just got a fucking, like, dirty little drone to it uh, that I love. And I think this album needed more of this. Yeah, I think if he, I mean, I understand what he was going for, but I think if he would have balanced that with a couple more songs that sounded like this, uh, it probably would have been my favorite Zach of all time. Uh, definitely, definitely a standout track. Uh, another one I would recommend to people, uh, just if, if you, well, fuck, if you like music, but if you like Zach, and maybe, you, but you're a little turned off by, you know, the acoustic, shit check out this track man because this is some of zach's best shit ever one of my favorite zach tracks ever and that's like i say uh, i didn't hear this one before today but just three times listening to it i was blown away each and every time i was excited you know on repeat listens like oh yeah that one's coming up i fucking love this one what do you think ralph 
Oh, God, this song's amazing. And yes, it doesn't fit the album, but lyrically it does. If you yeah. were to strip this down uh, acoustically, it, it's got the same type of vibe. Mm. But a little more, I think this one is like probably the most thought out lyrically song on the album because it's very trippy and, you know, sail across my ocean, sail across my sea. I feel I fill it up with hope, Lord, and I drown in empty misery. I mean, it really it really spoke to me, too. And the way that the last lyrics on this song, it reflects again what I was going through. With loneliness, be my friend. I think about you every day as I sail into the night a million miles away. You know, it's like, oh, my God, this is like speaking to me, you know? And, and I was, I was a very lonely. I never been, I, I'm not a type of guy that gets lonely. Like I've, I've spent Christmases without a girlfriend. I didn't give a flying fuck. I didn't care. And you know, New Year's Eve without a girlfriend. And, and I've never felt lonely, but at this time it was, it wasn't your typical, you know, lonely depression bullshit. There was a reason behind it, you know? Uh, and, uh, and, but this album was kind of like, I may be lonely, but I have this new girlfriend called Book of Shadows, you know, that, that really was kind of like my, again, this album's so special to me, it, it became kind of like my partner. You know, I mean, I listened to this album probably more than any album. I can't say like the album, I'm saying from 1996 to present, uh, this is the album I've listened to the most, even more than Thrasher Die stuff. And I perform mm -hmm. Thrasher Die stuff constantly, but I've heard this album way more than Thrasher Die stuff. But I can't say, you know, like your fair warnings and, and the wall and cheap trick and, you know, Led Zeppelin. No, of course, because I've been listening to those all through the years as well. But this album is extremely, I mean, this song right here. And it also like reminds you, all right, now I'm going to put in a long electric song. Great playing from Zach, a great vibe to the song. It's got a trippy feel. It does, it, it, you know, in a way it, it, it doesn't fit the album, but it does at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, that makes sense. And I'm, I'm glad he put it on there because um, it's just, uh, you know, all right, I'm going to make this album very different. And I don't know. I mean, you guys tell me this is a longest song on the album, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's also, it's it's, it's almost the reverse, like doing a, a super heavy album and then having the one ballad. It's kind of like the reverse. Right, exactly. Yeah, well put. Yeah. And yeah, love it. Great fucking song. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we go to the last one, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, I, I thank you, child, which I think he wrote about his kid. Yeah, his daughter. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> which you can see a hilarious uh, bonus feature on one of those DVDs of him singing this to his daughter. Yeah. Or his, his daughter singing it to him. And yeah, it's hilarious. Then, then she tells him to stop. Yeah. Which is yeah. so funny. But it's beautiful. Another a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Uh, the way he sings this song is so beautiful and... Uh, and and the crunchy guitars during it, you know, it's all beautiful. And then, gun, 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 gun. yes. And uh, what you guys were talking about earlier, that Joe uh, Vitali guy plays piano on this song. Yes, and he's a piano player on this song, and uh, it's gorgeous. And I love the way it ends because you hear this thing, and then all of a sudden, just one little piano note. Yep. Just ends it, and it's like you, a gorgeous fucking song. I actually love this song a lot. What do you think, Brian? 
Yeah, and I think it's a really interesting way to end the album because it's a very subtle song on the outset, like like Ralph was saying, and Zach singing very softly over his acoustic guitar. You think it's very similar to everything else. Uh, there's some piano, some strings mixed in, and then out of nowhere, you get this incredibly heavy power riffs of just vintage Zach. And it, actually, it don't, it startled me at first listen because you're, you you don't expect this at all. Uh, then of course, after every listen, you're totally looking for it. But that first listen, it, it's it's amazing and i love that the album ends kind of with the same power chords and then and then it's just like this very one piano note and then fades uh i adore this song and, I, and the ending makes you want to listen to the album all over again and uh you guys had mentioned the video with his um with his daughter i think she's her name's Haley ray and she's like a toddler and i think it's right. on the, the first black label dvd i think it's like bruised boozed yeah booze bruised and broken boned Right, and uh, it's in the bonus footage, and it's it's hilarious because uh, you see a beardless Zach. Uh, he's he's looking young there, and he's singing to his daughter, and then she's just like, "No, I don't want to hear anymore," and cuts him off. Uh, so definitely check that out, Ian. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's where I first heard it uh, was on that DVD, and I, I love that one so much because that's what I had signed by Zach the day that I met him uh, for the first time, and. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, it is adorable, the footage. But just, you know, knowing what it is and what it's about, I was already prepared to full-on fucking hate it. Because I was like, oh, my God, one of those, oh, it's about my mother, it's about my child. Like, oh, God, I hate shit like that. And I was so surprised when I heard the song today. Because today was the first time I ever heard, you know, the official version of it. It was fucking beautiful it was awesome it was heartfelt without being fucking sappy i i mean i honestly felt like just you know the love for a child you know but without it being contrived and like you know everybody's special no it was like he wrote a song especially for his daughter and absolutely amazing this is brandon done right <laughs> you know and, and, you know, you're not going to hear any stories of his daughter whooping his ass because he loved her right. He didn't raise her like a piece of shit like Tommy Lee did. Uh, a great, great fucking song. Uh, beautiful. And, and a great way to end it, too. Uh, perfect, perfect way to end the official album. Well, I, I got to say something very important I forgot to bring up. And the most important part of this song is that I didn't know it was about his kid when I was listening to it in 96, 97, 98, you know, until that, you know, video came out. I was like, oh, he wrote this about his kid. Because uh, this song, uh, again, like I was talking about cathartic, it ends on a happy note where it's kind of like, you you know, it was you that made living all worthwhile. I thank you. It's kind of like, well, you may have died, you may have gone, but I thank you for at least being there, you know, right. and, and, and it really made me enjoy life more. This is probably the most important song on the album and it ends you know the this album with uh hey man you know at least you had her yep. you know and uh i know i i'm going on too much about this but don't worry guys next week a lot of ass licking song uh talk <laughs> and, yep. and what i am today you know just uh if i'm gonna talk about this album i gotta bring up marie she was very important and you know every time i visit her her, her grave which is every year on her birthday, I play this album on the way there. It's not that close to my house. It's like all the way up in near West Palm Beach. So it takes me over an hour. So 
I play this whole album on the way there, you know, and uh, I just wish, you know, she could have heard this album, you know, and because, uh, you know, she loved I Will Remember from uh, Queensryche and, and uh, you know, there was a, a bunch of songs she loved. She wasn't really a metal girl, but I turned her on to a lot of good stuff on the mellower side. Like she loved Take Me, I'm Yours from Cheap Trick. And, you know, I turned her on to a lot of cool shit where I know, I just know she would have loved this album a lot. And I just love how, again, this album uh, just like, you know, ends in, for me, the way I interpret it, ends in a way that said, hey man, at least you had her, at least you were with her, at least you know, she showed you some great moments in life, some of the most beautiful, you know. I mean, not to bring down certain girls I saw after that, because I've seen a lot of, I've only saw one. Dude, seriously, I've been very lucky with girls, even though I, I, they never last. Uh, I've never really had a bad relationship except for like two. So that's a pretty good track record because I've had a hundred girlfriends that I had a lot of feelings for. And uh, but, you know, I, I've been but she was the best, you know, and I and not to bring down like the awesome girls I saw after her. But there was a, a really I don't know, it's hard to put into words how she was. She was like a very vibrant, full of life person. Well, she was she was the one for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really was, you know. And and you know, you can tell, oh, you know, you're gonna die alone. Fuck that. I ain't gonna die alone. I mean, I, I had her. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I feel like, you know, it was her that made living all worthwhile. And still she's still making living all worthwhile, you know? I don't know. I know that like she would want the best for me. Because she really did care about me a lot. I mean, it was obvious. So I, I really, you know, uh, in a lot of ways that I, oh, I have to better myself for her because I know she wouldn't want me to be miserable. And this song was kind of like telling me, you know what, man? You had that person in your life. So um, now now be thankful, you know, because, you know, she may be gone, but she's not gone from my, from my heart, from my head. You know, she's with me every day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her. And there's not a day that goes by where something doesn't remind me of her, you know? And, and it's always positive, funny shit. Because she was really a funny girl, too, on top of that. She had my same kind of warped sense of humor, too. She was, uh, she didn't get offended, you know? She was very uh, uh, anti-politically correctness type of girl. Yeah, okay, let's, so let's go into the bonus tracks. You yeah. guys take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the first one. Evil Ways, which was originally the Japanese bonus track. Uh, it's it's worth noting that uh, while Geffen did nothing to promote this, once Zach signed with Spitfire Records, yep, uh, they re-released this with a, a two-disc version. And you know, the first one was the original album, and the second disc had three bonus tracks. Uh, this one included Evil Ways. Uh, I love this one, man. To me, this really should have been on the album. I think it's a great fucking track. And I can think, of, I mean, I know you guys differ because you have more of a history with it, but I could think of at least three tracks uh, I would substitute and put this one on there. I think it's really strong and, and stays within uh, the flow of the album. I, I don't see why this one was left off. Uh, I absolutely love it. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, actually, I, this is what in my notes I said this would have fit nicely on the original album. Um, I think maybe it sounded a little bit too similar to what you're looking for in the things you do. I, th- I think when I first saw the track listing, I thought this was uh, like a cover of the Santana song. 
Um, but no, when you actually listen to it, it's an original track. I think it's a very cool song. I really dig it. Um, but maybe it would have been considered filler if it was included on the original album because of the similarity between what you're looking for. Not to me. You do. But not to, not to Ian. <laughs> but again, Ralph and I were here, for, we're with right. this album from the beginning. So, no, Under, I get it. Under, I get it. Understandable. But I like, I like the different perspective uh, of someone that might be picking this up um, now as opposed to when it first came out. So this is, this is good. Ralph. Oh, what a toe tapper this one is. Uh, oh, man, yeah, I absolutely love this song. But, yeah, you know, I, I disagree with both of you. I don't think it could have fit the album uh, because of the actual, um, the, the, the lyrical content. You know, yeah, things you do are kind of like that, but... Um, it's a little more uh, I don't know it's a little more simplified I, I, I don't think this song has the, the the feeling lyrically that this album has and I think lyrically this doesn't really fit the album but boy what a song I'm not saying nothing bad about the song I'm just talking about the context of being on the album um, I well, spoiler I don't think any of these songs would fit on the album uh, all the bonus tracks and this is not my favorite of the bonus tracks but i goddamn love it because uh you already guys already talked about this right yes the color green is my favorite wow oh man do i love this fucking song it, it has this really such a very um mellow quietness to it you know and you know, when your so-called friends forget your name, they ain't the same. Again, I can identify with the song in other parts of my life with, you know, like I, I've told this story before, the guy that I discovered, Raven, Manowar, Metal Master with Metallica. Uh, you know, he's the guy that turned me on to ACDC. Uh, you know, I mean, we were, we were always looking for the heaviest shit. Till 1985, I went to his house and he showed me an interview with Bon Jovi and not the hottest blonde girl, but she was cute. And he said, Bon Joey's cuter than her. And I was like, ah, I got to get going, dude. <laughs> and I also remember going to his house with the Merciful Fate Melissa album. He's like, yeah, I don't know about this. And I was like, all right, dude. So yeah, me and him are still great friends, but our musical connection kind of died. And I always think of him when I hear that line, you know, when your so-called friends, they've lost their way. Because <laughs> I feel like he lost his way. And, you know, when your so-called friends, they ain't the same, you know? And, you know, that guy never... I mean, he knows I'm in Thrasher Die, but I don't think he's ever even bothered to listen to it. You know, and we and him were inseparable. But uh, I love The Color Green. It's a gorgeous song. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, this is one I enjoy. Um, it's, it feels like kind of a demo, maybe maybe a bit unfinished. I don't know. I mean, I, again... This came out in 1999, so I'd already been living with the original album for you know a long time, and this was just like a three-track. I uh, think bonus that's disc. the problem that yeah. you and I have because yeah. Ian hearing this now for the first time in the context of hearing the whole album, you know, I can understand how how he, he would say, "Oh, this will fit on the album," but it's like we lived with it so long, it's like don't fuck with the album, you know what right. I mean? Right, right, kind no, of that thing. So exactly. maybe Ian is right, and we're just being biased. <laughs> I, I, I feel that way. I think, you know, if I would have heard this at the same time as Ian, I would have been like, shit, this should have went on the album. Yeah. You know what I mean? But And I like the little dog bark. Yes, you know? yes. That, that shit's awesome. Yeah, and there's kind of the um, the twang sound, which is called the Jews harp. So I'm not being uh, anti-Semitic. That's actually what it's called. But Yeah, uh, yeah, it'd be nice. Twang. We want Stephen Kirsch to listen to this, goddammit. That's right. Boy, <laughs> vey. 
Uh, yeah, I think um, this is fine as a bonus track. I get why, you know, Ian coming to this uh, late, uh, it would make sense to, to fit on the album, but um, I, I'm happy to listen to it. I, it feels, um, yeah, it's, it's a good, good, solid song. But again, Ralph put it perfectly. I'm so used to the original 11 tracks that these were, I was really happy to hear these new songs. They were kind of- Oh my easy. God, yeah, me too. When I first heard these three songs, yeah. I was like, oh my God, it is like a continuation oh of the album. Oh my God. Oh my God. God. It's Kiss. Oh my God, Book of Shadows. <laughs> I feel like- <laughs> Exactly. Ian, what do you think of the color green? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, this is one, uh, spoiler alert, this is hands down uh, my favorite of these three bonus tracks. Uh, I too. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We both love Kiss. Oh, my God. Uh, but they're not in our top ten. Um, this, this is fucking what a song I mean and this is what I really really think this should have been on the album this one was uh, this one was written about Ozzy and Sharon that mm. only care about the color green uh, yeah, I was about to ask what, what, is, what does that mean money uh, yeah well uh, you know how money changes everything and changes relationships whether you're bringing somebody money or whether you're taking their money away that's right. what I got out of it at least, and that's, you know, when I talk to Zach, he's like, oh yeah, it's totally about Ozzy and Sharon. Uh, you know, because when somebody comes in that band and adds something to it and then want money, they're gone. Uh, you know, and you get replaced by Joe Holmes. Uh, but no, I really, really dig this. But again, I totally understand how you guys are uh, with once you've fallen in love with an album. That is... You know, what you first get, that is what's ingrained into your head, and it's perfect just the way it is. Yeah, and, even three amazing bonus oh, tracks yeah. can't change the opinion, because I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with these bonus tracks at all. You know? oh, no. oh, yeah, but I mean, I, there's countless albums, because I'm, you know, especially when it's an album that means so much to me. Oh, there's a bonus edition? Oh, I gots to have it! You know, but those songs will never mean as much to me is what I fell in love with and what I grew accustomed to. So I, I, I really, really do, uh, you know, and I'm glad you guys understand how I look at it and I equally understand how you look at it because even some of my favorite albums of all time, they had bonus tracks. I'm like, nope, nope, <laughs> you know, because you weren't there to begin with. You're a Johnny come lately, go fuck yourself. Eh, eh, you know, but, you know, you, 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 and you guys do understand. I'm listening to this with fresh ears, even though there's songs that I knew. But listening to this as a as a whole album, and, and of course I'm listening to it. Uh, you, you know, I've got it on my phone, and I'm playing it through a loudspeaker and shit. So it's all one album to me. Uh, but this song really, really spoke to me. I love the lyrics. I love the music. And uh, you know, it's a short song, three minutes and five seconds. But it felt much longer, but in a good way, and uh, and it could have gone on forever. I really, really dug it. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'll take the last one, which uh, most Black Label fans will already know, and that's Peddlers of Death. Yep. And this one was re-recorded on the first Black Label album, uh, Black Label Society album, Sonic Brew. Uh, and this one I did know. So. With that prejudice going in, uh, I was already used to that version, and I really love that song. That is one of the ones 
that stuck out to me, you know, uh, you know, of course, my, my favorite, probably my all-time favorite Zach Wilde song of all time is Spoken the Wheel. Mm. Um, that's on the first album. I, I don't know if he'll ever write anything that, you know, and, and that's a song that I'm emotionally attached to, that, you know, how I totally feel about my Guns N' Roses chick. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I love that version on Sonic Brew. Uh, so hearing this, it's, uh, you know, it's not bad, it's not horrible, but I, I, I want to hear that original version. Uh, you know, now sometimes my, my opinions have changed. Like, like now I'd rather hear You're Crazy by Guns N' Roses, the Lies version, rather than the Appetite. Mm. Uh, but that that's an anomaly. Normally, it's whatever I hear first. That's what's ingrained in my brain. That's what I love. And that's how I kind of am with this one. Not bad by any means, but I want to hear the Sonic Brew version. Uh, but still a good song. But th- this, to me, would be a typical bonus track. Like, you know, thanks, here's your participation trophy. Uh, but no. Uh, but whereas with the other songs, I'm like, why isn't this on the fucking album? This, to me, is stereotypical bonus. But I do enjoy it, so uh, not horrible. But I, I don't think, even though this is the original, <laughs> uh, I think uh, I prefer the version I heard first. What do you think, Ralph? I agree with you 100. percent Though I do love it. Uh, it's all these three bonus tracks are great. I'm probably you know here I can here I can say least favorite you know of the three, <clears throat> but it's great. But I do prefer the Sonic Brew version. I believe that one I heard first. Yeah, because and uh, and I agree with you too about spoken the wheel. For me, spoken the wheel. First time I heard that song, I was like, oh shit, book of shadow stuff. Exactly. You know, hearing on, uh, you know, first time I put on. Because the first time I put on Sonic Brew, I gotta tell you, man, it was like a, what the hell am I listening to? This shit's so muddy and grungy and crazy. Yeah, but you brick, know, brick wall. Yeah, it, it took me a while. It yeah, took me a while. I, I I was too, but I was the same way. When spoken the wheel came on, that made me turn my head and go. Oh my God! I gotta hear this again. That was and, like the million miles away of that album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. It's all, you know, heavy, grungy, sloppy, muddy sounding shit. Then all of a sudden, this Book of Shadows type song comes on, and I was like, Oh, yeah. And yeah, it is like that. Board of Tears. I love Board of Tears. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, um, but uh, you know, and then I gotta think of you know, Forever Down off Mafia and Funeral Bell. And spoken the wheel. Those are my favorite BLS songs. But uh, oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love it. But yeah, you know what can I say? I do prefer the the muddier version. But it's cool. It's great to have. I would love to hear more acoustic versions of some songs from you know uh, Sonic Brew because a lot of those songs, you know, as muddy and crazy as they are. Uh, what's that one song? Something Garden? Or... Oh, the Rose Petal Garden. That yeah. was actually written for Guns N' Roses. Oh, really? Yeah, there, there was a couple songs that were during the right... Like, he'd come up with riffs for that jam session with Guns um, that they were just too crazy heavy for, for Guns N' Roses at the time. And then that's what ended up on Sonic Brew. Uh, you see, I can hear that acoustically. I like to hear a lot of these songs acoustically from... Yeah. You know uh, the Sonic Brew album, not so much the later stuff because I remember hearing Stillborn acoustically, mm-hmm. and I was it's like, "Not eh. that good." No. Yeah, it's like, eh, you know. But th- this is fucking. Th- this is a great interpretation acoustically. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, no, this this 
version sounds completely different than Sonic Brew, and I think I there's the original version. There's a bootleg, and, and Ra I had it, and Ralph also gave me a copy. That uh, he's playing like in a bar in Europe, where he's just him and an acoustic guitar. Some dude is holding up a mic for him, and he plays uh, Peddlers of Death there. I mean, this is probably '96, '97, so. Uh, definitely the acoustic version is the first. I, I, but I agree. I, I like the Sonic Brew version better because it's very Sabbath. It's very corrosion and conformity sounding. And um, yeah, I, I really like on this version what he does with the chorus vocally. Um, but yeah, it's, Zach actually is pretty cool about changing up, um, you know, some of the heavy songs into more mellow. Like the, I think it's the song not remains the same. Um, he does like different versions, like Overlord and stuff off uh, Order of the Black. So he will do this from time to time. Even on the bonus uh, disc in the live album, which came out after uh, Stronger Than Death, like he does some Neil Young on there. He does a great version of Snowblind. Um, there's some cool stuff on that too. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Go ahead, Ian. All right. Well, that is our review of uh, Book of Shadows, released June 18th, 1996. And, uh, we all love the production on this, so let some praise be given to Ron and Howard Albert, uh, who produced this album. Unfortunately, Geffen did little to nothing to promote this, and uh, and it's really it's one of those albums that you know, as years have gone, you know, it's got a cult following, and a lot of people go back to it because of word of mouth, and we're hoping that's what this episode does. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, you know, even though you guys have more of a history with it and are into it way more than me, I still love it. And I thank you guys for, for turning me on to this. And I recommend this to everybody uh, because maybe some of the songs that I didn't get, you will. And, uh, and then vice versa, man. I definitely think it's worth listening to. Uh, I mean, totally. Give, the, give this your attention. Check it out. I mean, you know, you're going to hear samples on here. Go to YouTube, check some shit out. You dig it, go and buy this motherfucker. You know, because hell, support this motherfucker. He deserves your money. This, I mean, this is a a true artist here. Even though I don't love everything he's done, uh, I respect him overall. A great, great guitar player. And even better, a better human being. And anybody who's met him knows this. You know, even though Ralph had his bad... Shit, well, and it, made, it, yeah, right. The, the, it, biggest, the biggest mistake he made was getting that stupid bodyguard. Yeah, that yeah, dick. yeah, that managed. And and I had the same dealing. I don't know if it's the same guy, but it could be. When I met him, his manager was a complete douche. Uh, but Zach, uh, still to this day, I hold everybody up to that standard, and nobody's met that as far as like the nicest somebody could be, the most sincere. Uh, and appreciative. Nobody will top Zach. So for that alone, he has my undying support. So check out this album, Book of Shadows, and uh, check out all of Zach's shit, man. You know, throw it all at the wall, see what sticks. Absolutely. Yeah, let's see Jake do a Book of Shadows. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I love Jake. We probably haven't aired it yet, or we probably have. If you listen to our upcoming or already put up uh, Badlands album, oh man fuck out of that guy because yeah. I love Jake Lee don't get me wrong, I just like Zach more and I think yeah. you know, not, not in Ian's case because Ian came at that time but I know there's a lot of people out there are like no Zach's the best because he's not talked about as much as Zach and Randy to me Randy's the best 
And, and you know, and everybody that brings up the whole Quiet Riot thing, let me tell you something, motherfucker. You put Edward Van Halen in 70s Quiet Riot, it still would have sucked. You put <laughs> Zach Wilde in 70s Quiet Riot, it still would have sucked. No disrespect to Kevin DeBro, but come on. I mean, that guy, amazing singer. But, you know, you want to talk about One Trick Pony. You know, the, the, the metal health album is iconic. <laughs> it's great, but he can never match that again. He tried it. He just rewrote Metal Health and got worse and worse afterwards. That's that's not even a one-trick pony. That's just a pony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I tricked its way up to the top of the charts. So there you go. But it's yeah, one-trick pony number one album. See, see what I did there. But but I'm not I'm not that much of a hipster. The the real hipster would be the guy who'd say like, oh god, it's the, it's the Joe Holmes era, or it's the right. the, the Gus G Gus era. G, yeah. Or, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I only listen. Yeah, I only listen to Bernie Tomei era. Gus G, Bernie Torme, and uh, Brad Gillis. And Gus G. Well, no, not Brad Gillis, but the other three never really recorded. I think uh, Joe Holmes did one song for the Beavis and Butthead soundtrack. Yeah, but but he didn't play on Osmosis. Uh, Gus G didn't. Gus G played on Scream, but it was already done. So they told him what to play. And Brad Gillis, you know. Probably out of all of them was the most impressive because what he did on Speak of the Devil. I'd love to hear a review on that one. My God. And, and, you know, just to think that they only had like, what, 10 days to learn that shit? Yep. And he went up there and he did the Brad Gillis wankery. But, you know, and you talked about earlier, you know, the constant, you know, uh, pentatonic, whatever the fuck that thing's called. Um, The squeals that Zach does. Yeah, come on, man. Uh, Brad Gillis, like, masturbates on that whammy bark. Like more than anybody, but still, it worked. But it worked because it was only one album. We didn't get to hear him do a studio album with Ozzy where he wanked on that whammy bar. And yes, I totally take Jake Lee over Brad Gillis. I take Jake Lee over everybody except for Randy and Zach. Thank you. Well, I'm just saying, I guarantee there's somebody with a fucking uh, latte and a man bun that's all about Joe Holmes. Joe Holmes. <laughs> he actually, Joe Holmes wrote a lot of the songs on Down to Earth, but then they brought in Zach. Oh, like like I needed another reason to hate Joe Holmes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh but lord, his, his solo stuff's really good. Yeah, uh, that, that one that album he put out. Yeah, yeah, the one that uh, Mr. X sent you and you sent me, Ian. That's a great album. Are, are, yeah. are you talking about uh, Pharmacos? Yes. Yes. That's yeah, good shit. I, I gotta yeah. listen to Eddie Trunk was sucking that dick so hard, but I never listened to it. I'll have to I'll have to check it out. <laughs> it's a great album. It's really really good. Yeah, the singer's got a very Chris Cornell vibe to him. Yeah, it's a great album. Right on. I hope he I hope he hangs around. All right. Well, now it's time to go on to the pick of the week. And Brian, since you are a very special guest, what is your pick of the week? Well, I actually have two if you'll indulge me. Oh um, yeah, because I got two too. Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have two. One is uh, Black Label Society. We, we mentioned it many times, but Sonic Brew. Uh, you know, I, had, as you know, I adore Pride and Glory, love Book of Shadows, but it seemed like forever until Zach came out with another um, set of new tunes. And going in, I had no idea what to expect from Sonic Brew, but there was there was no buzz at all. And so, with the exception of some die, you know, diehard fans like myself, uh, knew nothing really what was coming out. It was released in Japan first. Uh, but this is pre-Napster. I, I couldn't even download anything from that. Uh, so finally, trying to when it came out in '99, um, trying to find it on the day of its release was kind of a chore. And only Borders Books, if you remember that that chain, yeah. 
they happened to have two copies, which I bought really quickly from myself and a buddy. And so we ended up with the original pressing featuring, you know, the Johnny Walker label. And uh, then eventually, a couple months later, it was replaced with the, the, the famous BLS Skull uh, because of the copyright issues. But until, Brick, uh, until Order of the Black came out, Sonic Brew was always my favorite uh, Black Label album. Until, and then until I heard the brick wall mess that was Death Magnetic, Sonic Brew kind of had the distinction of being the loudest, most distorted album I own. And uh, I think there's tons of gems on here which uh, sound like a cross between Sabbath and, and Corrosion. And uh, yeah, I hope down the road you guys do a, a Black Label re review. There's, there's a lot to pick from, and, and we kind of touched upon it here. Um, but my other pick, and I just saw them on Friday night here in San Jose, is Zach Sabbath. They have a uh, Live in Detroit EP only on vinyl. And it's only three songs. It's War Pig, Super Knot, and Fairies Wear Boots. You can, you can find it on Discogs. Uh, but it's amazing. Like, it's, it's awesome. Fairies Wear Boots, man, that version just... I gotta smoked. hear that. I gotta hear that. Yeah, and Super Knot too. So, uh, really, really well done. I wish they'd do like a live DVD. I think that'd be great. But if you get a chance to see Zach Sabbath, man, he busts out some some rarities. Like you get Super Knot, National Acrobat, Tomorrow's Dream, Under the Sun, Wicked World, Beyond the Wall of Sleep, and, and then he throws in you, know, you get the War Pigs and Into the Void. But did, check him out. Did he do Junior's Eyes and do it right? No. He didn't do Junior's Eyes. He does uh, nothing off Never Say Die. Oh, he did Never Say Die when I saw him. Oh, song, yeah, he did the song Never Say Die. Oh, uh, I, I, I got to say, uh, I love me some Zach. And I don't think there was a cover I was ever more excited about than him doing Junior's Eyes. And then when I heard it, I just wanted to punch him right in the face <laughs> and shave his beard off and shove it in his fucking mouth and make him drink again so he dies. Oh, that broke my heart. Make him watch Rockstar again. Oh, yeah, I, 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 was, like I wasn't that mad. <laughs> I, I was very disappointed too because that's my favorite song off of. Uh, oh hell yeah. Say Die. And like in my top ten favorite, and I read he was doing it. I was like, oh god, yes. Then I heard, it, I was like, oh god, no. <laughs> All right, I have two picks. Uh, my first pick is my favorite Zach Wild album, and I talked about this earlier. Uh, it's fourth Black Label Society album, 2003's Blessed Hell Ride. Uh, oh my God, Stoned and Drunk, Doomsday Jesus Stillborn, the title track, Funeral Bell, uh, We We Live No More, and, and and I really love if you can get it with the Japanese bonus track, Fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that fucking song. Yeah. Oh my God! Uh, and a hilarious story. I think you can find it on YouTube about you know what that song's about and, and how it came about. But a great album. That's really just him and Greg Nudemacher, who used to be the drummer for Crowbar and then uh, joined BLS. Uh, an amazing drummer, Nudemacher, fucking slays. I, I wish he was still in the band because he was he was fucking incredible. Um, and I was lucky enough to see, I never got to see him with Crowbar, but I got to see him with fucking Zach. Uh, but I think it, it, it's a great, uh, you know, entry drug for anybody who hasn't checked out Black Label Society. Because to me, it has the perfect mixture of, uh, you know, the, the, the balanced stuff and, and the heavier stuff. The production is, is top-notch, self-produced by Zach. Uh, Stillborn, I think, is one of the greatest tracks he's ever done. Uh, you know, features Ozzy on vocals and shit. 
well, I mean, on background vocals, uh, but just really, really killer. And uh, you know, and then and then move on from there. Um, so yeah, check out Blessed Hell Ride. Uh, and my second pick is something that was very influential on the album we just reviewed, and that would be Neil Young's Harvest. Mm. And oh my god, you, you know, talk about a desert island fucking disc. But uh, you know, I'll never forget. I first bought it on CD when I was in junior high, and I, you know, my entire life, I had heard Heart of Gold on the radio and loved it. You know, like oh, it's a great track. So when I started buying CDs. I bought it, and, and and when I got it, of course, I liked Heart of Gold, but I was like, the fuck is this other crap? I was like, this is fucking terrible, and I, I remember saying to my dad, like, ugh, this fucking album ain't that good. And he looks at me and goes, I'll buy it off you. <laughs> and, and, that, and that made me think. I was like, hey, well, what do you mean you'll buy it off me? That ain't cool. And then I'm like, you know, what am I missing here? What am I missing? You know, and then I listened to it again. And then again and again, and just realized the fucking genius of it. And uh, and I also love the genius of Neil Young, uh, not to replicate it. I mean, and that's what people kept wanting out of him. Like you, you know, the, the not the hardcore Neil fans, but just like the general public. You know, they want another heart of gold, heart of gold. And he spent his entire career trying to go the other direction. And I think that's a sign of a true artist. You know, he said. Uh, you, you know, you keep going on the same path, you're going to burn out, you know, but if you just keep doing different stuff, then eventually everything will come back in style and his career, but, but, it, but it's better to burn out than fade away. <laughs> That's right. Did that give right. you enough time to find one, Ralph? Well, I already had one. <laughs> oh, oh, now he had one. Now he had one ready. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, the sequel to this album, yeah. uh, Book of Shadows 2. Uh, I feel is kind of like the Godfather and Godfather Two of music, um, and you know, on, uh, and let me tell you something. Listening to these songs, I was like, this shit fits the album more than those bonus tracks. Mm. You know, songs like uh, Lost Prayer, The King, you know, Yesterday's Tears, Forgotten Memories, Darkest, Hour, especially Darkest Hour. That yeah. one really fits that. Uh, you know, a lot of people like, oh, you know, uh, Hangover Music, which is amazing. But that to me doesn't sound like Book of Shadows. This does. Yeah. Uh, this is just an amazing sequel to to this album, and uh, I was uh, and and it, and it hit me right away, you know, because I was already used to. I knew what to expect. All right, Book of Shadows too. We're gonna get another acoustic-y album, and it delivers. It's it's an amazing yeah. album. For a while there, I was like, yeah, it's just as good as Book of Shadows. But now, you know, after living for for a while, I was like, yeah, you know what? If Zach had that Book of Shadows one voice on here, I would agree. I think that's the only stumbling block on this album is that he doesn't have that way beyond empty song uh, right. voice. But other than that, song for song, this album is amazing. I absolutely love Book of Shadows too. Well, I am going to put that on as soon as we're done recording. I got some shit to do around the house. So I'm going to throw it on because I haven't listened to anything off of that yet. So... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. pretty much a continuation. Well, well, yeah, and to be fair, his voice sounds better than it has in years. So, what do you what not, do you what do you think of Book of Shadows too, Brian? How do you, how, how, how do you think it holds up to the first one? I, it, not quite as much as, as Ralph uh, thinks about it, but no, like it's it's as good as I I never really got into Hangover music. 
um, for whatever, there are a couple tracks on there that I really enjoy, but this is yeah. what I wanted Hangover music to be, so I think it's better than Hangover music, but I, don't, I still don't think it holds a candle to the original Book of Shadows, but I do enjoy listening to it, and I do enjoy it better than the last few Black Label albums. <laughs> All right, well, now it's time to go into the Fan of the Week, and once again, you've been a multiple Fan of the Week because you deserve it. The great Brian Davis, uh, you have your own amazing podcast, Damn Good Movie Memories, and I'm so glad to see when our listeners check out your show, and, and everybody's given uh, great reviews. We talked about it before. Besides music, Ralph and I's biggest passion is, is cinema, and, uh, and man, you definitely cover that in spades, and you do a great job, and, and just all the support you've shown for this, not only by your donations, but just what you contribute, man. Thank you so much, Brian. We really appreciate that. No, thank you. And, and without you guys, the, I wouldn't nearly have as many uh, listeners as I do. And, uh, you know, I, same reason you guys do it. I love movies. Um, I love introducing people to movies that they may or may not have seen and just right. talking about it and getting guests on that are truly passionate about that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I love cross-promoting. And I, it's just it's, it's a lot of fun. I can't thank you guys enough for for supporting the show. How, how many times you've been on Decibel Geek? Twice. How many times you've been on this show? Oh, at least six, I think. And yeah. that's not counting the Vieira Vault and uh, all that stuff. So yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. We love more. you more. We love you more. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I love Decibel Geek. I'm just busting balls. I love them too. And I can't wait to meet them. Uh, or I've already met them at the Rock and Pod <laughs> Expo. Yeah, but... I'll go down on record right now saying Brian Davis is the best guest we've had. Period. Because of his uh, background on the songs, his uh, great way of describing songs, and uh, it's very infectious the way you talk, bro. So I, I'd say you're the best we've ever had. Oh, thank you. Uh, and, but we've had nothing but great guests. Oh, no, I love that you guys gave. Yeah, we get a lot of great guests. But I I'm love just that. Saying. Discovered Nitro from, the, from you know, the... the Nitro's dump- awesome. Yeah, Nitro's Edwin was, was amazing. Even even that guy that secretly hated me till I busted him was a great guest. It's <laughs> yes. a tribute. It's a well, tribute. And Randy Rose, he was amazing. Yeah. He was, like, very close to you as far as describing stuff. Because he's a, he's a guitar nerd, so he yeah. was... He was extremely good on our episode. It's just a shame he's a backstabbing tool. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, like, you TikTok know, man, like they're, they're oh, TikTok man's the shit. All the guests have, have, have been amazing, but uh, we, we love having you on here, Brian. And Thank you so we much. can't wait. By the time this shit's aired, uh, you know we we have we'll, would have met and had sex and stuff. So uh, absolutely, yeah. So the next episode will be different. I'm already tested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, you're good for now because we have a good test. All right. I only limp a little. Yeah. Well, speaking of meeting you, let's get to the plugs. Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I 
look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life, and I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten, and we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina! Skitter Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much! Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at DecibelGeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I've deemed necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Welcome to the best fucking show you'll ever hear in your life. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, The Dr. Fuck Show. Yes, tune in here at that metal station for The Dr. Fuck Show. I've been doing this show right here for years. And the chat room's always packed. The jams are always playing. And yeah, you may get a rant. Every freaking week from me. Fuck, not freaking. I don't want to say freaking. I mean fucking. So join me and my lunatics that are let out of the asylum here on that metal station. 8 p.m. Eastern time. Thursday nights. Join me. Let's lose our fucking minds. All right. Well, if you love this episode, then you love guitar and Brian Davis. 
Come back next week. Who's it going to be? I don't know, but it's going to be one of you listeners because we are still doing the fan episodes. And, uh, yeah, I'm drunk. (laughs) And we're going to rip on people, and we don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And, hey, we need 1,000 subscribers if you want some more YouTube exclusive. If not, not, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. And, And it doesn't look good, Ian. I know. <laughs> well, I saw like two more people joined. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I think I think that bo- that boat has sailed. Unless, hey, the listener, hey, we got over two thousand people on our Facebook page. Come on, it only takes like what one hundred and thirty or something like we've that. We've got we've got almost three thousand people. Look at that. So it only takes like a hundred of you clowns. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you nice people. Use cl- it or lose it. Sweet game is the name of pain. I said, oh, my God, it's Kiff. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Next week, tune in. Or don't. I don't give a fuck. Bye.